Hi, and welcome to episode 99 of No Crying in Baseball, the It's Hard Not to Be Romantic About Baseball episode. My name's Patty, and I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. I want it to be that it's good. we're going to party like it's 99. It is 99. It is 99. So it's, we're going to party. We are going to party. We're trying to rally the troops here because we're both on a little bit of a down curve because it's Monday and that sucks and there's just so much. And some of uh, us had fun and some of us got a little sick, but we're going to be okay. We're here for you. Yeah. So I'm being romantic about baseball because I watched Moneyball recently and a lot uh, of my news that I want to talk about today is very romantic, sort of in that I love baseball and baseball is heartwarming and fantastic and it makes me feel good way. We talked about economics in national, state, and local government today. Does that count? I don't feel romantic about any of those things, no. as a matter of fact. it's kind of, I should bring in the money ball thing and see what happens. Hey, speaking of partying, we had a fun party on a different podcast. Yeah, listen to Hell's Bells. I probably said that way too loud. Sorry, toning <laughs> down here. Listen to Hell's Bells. We had a, a really good time speaking with uh, Liddy and Angela of the Padres Twitter folks, and it was a blast. Yeah, check it out. On today's show, don't panic. It looks like tea, but there's Jameson's in it. All right. Today, we're going to talk about some boyfriend on boyfriend stolen base smackdowns. Also in boyfriends, we've got um, um, Kato Marte as NL player of the week and a little love for Matt Olson because who wouldn't love Matt Olson? In our pitching category today, we've got Michael Lorenzen, or is it Babe Ruth? You make the call. We're going to talk about the miracle that is Aaron Barrett, and my heart is full for him. And another SmackDown, this time brother on brother. We're going to say so long to Dombrowski, and we're going to talk about baseball's response to Hurricane Dorian. Boyfriend on Boyfriend SmackDown is kind of funny, and it's a little bit old news, but there's a reason that it's old news. Last year, I'm sure one of us had Wilson Ramos as a boyfriend because how would we not? I think that was you. I think it was me. Yeah, and, it was you. And, and I was jealous. And we love him. We right. love him and we will always love him and we, we will always clap for him when he comes back to mm -hmm. Nats Park. Wilson Ramos had never stolen a base in his entire professional baseball career. Entire career? Do you any clue how long that is? Yes. As a matter of fact, specifically, since he started in in uh, 2010, he's had 3,364 plate appearances without a stolen base. He's a catcher. They they tend to be a little pokey. He's also, yeah, he is not speedy. He is not a speedy man. So here's what happened. There was, this was back in August, August 23rd. And let me tell you why we're just telling you about this now, because nobody paid attention. I didn't. Right? I didn't mm -hmm. either. And here's what happened there. Wilson Ramos, in the 10th inning, all right, we've got a tie game between the Mets, for which Ramos plays, and Atlanta. In the 10th inning, he takes second base on what's basically defensive indifference, which, number one, is my favorite band name, or should be a band name. Yeah. But also, if you, if you aren't aware of this phrase, it's if you take the base but but the other team isn't really like guarding you they're not really going to try to defend that play they don't care if you go to second usually that happens because there's already two outs and they're focused on the hit or whatever you don't get a stolen base for that it's defensive indifference so he looked around nobody was paying attention so he sort of sauntered down at 22 meters per what however they <laughs> however they do that and he just assumed it was defensive indifference, but because it was a tie game and he then became, he got put in scoring position, the official score her, scorer gave him a stolen base for that. 
So hey, Wilson cool. Ramos got a, a, it was credited with his very first ever stolen base. Nobody noticed because how the heck could it be his first one? Except so, for all the guys keeping score. So like the interviewers are like, oh, did all your family text you and this and that? Like, uh, no. Did the deck go? No. And he wasn't even, he didn't think it was a stolen base. And then he said, oh, wait a minute. I need that base. You know, so they talked to like the, the guys who do like the field stuff and the clubhouse guys. I need that base. It's like the all actual about base. the base. I need, it's all about the base. <laughs> I need to take second base home because this is the only base I've ever stolen and probably will ever steal in my career. But guess what else happened on that base during that game? Ronald Acuna Jr. also stole second in a more obvious stealing of the base. And that happened to be the steal that gave him 30 steals for the season, which put him into the 30-30 category, the 30 home runs and 30 steals. Ronald Acuna Jr. also wants that base. He's also your boyfriend, and he's he is your current also, boyfriend, he's my so current boyfriend. you can pick them, that's for sure. So is this like a Solomon's deal here, where are they going to cut the base in half and see It has gone gives? to a committee. I don't know where this committee is. I don't know how the committee makes a call. But um, an interviewer for The for the Athletic asked um, Wilson Ramos, who do you think should get the base? And he said, let me just say, it's a lot harder for me to steal a base than it is for Ronald Acuna Jr., so I think I should get the base. <laughs> Of course. Well, you know, if it's like the committees that we have here in Tacoma Park, Maryland, this could take a few years. It could. It could. I want to talk about a boyfriend I have been ignoring, and I feel very bad, because it's Cattell Marte of the D-backs, center fielder. And when I talked about him in the offseason, I didn't look up what episode it was. Y'all should check it out, because I really think that I predicted he was going to have a breakout year. I really think so. I have not verified that. So somebody do my fact-checking for me. I'm going to go with yes. It feels right. It feels and right. And that should be enough. He had a week. He had a big week, uh, which, I, you know, I didn't even realize he was player of the week till you said that in our intro. I'm here for you. Speaking of fact-checking. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, the first that I saw him pop up on my news was that he had a go-ahead grand slam against the Padres on September 5th in the bottom of the seventh inning. And the, the interesting thing about this, too, is that the, the D-backs are making a push for the wild card. Our beloved Nationals... Oh, the fuck, the cat's coming in. All right, cat, <laughs> stay in your corner. Our beloved Nationals are number one in the wild card right now with the Cubs slightly behind them, I think three games as of today. And then a game and a half behind them is the D-backs. And the D-backs have been fighting hard and uh, Zach Gallen, rookie pitcher, was having one of those you shall not be named no-nos up to seventh inning against the Padres, high Padres friends, um, and Machado broke it up. After Machado broke it up, it seems that Marte, when the D-backs came up, sort of wanted to make up for his team having to not have the no-hitter, and he got the go-ahead grand slam, and they won the game. Notable, though, is that Marte has been rocking it this year. Since uh, August 14th, his average is 427, and his slash is 469 and 853. That is respectable. Yeah. Um, He has also, this is super notable, that he has 32 home runs and 91 RBI. Last year, the whole year, he had 14 home runs. Oh, boy. And 59 runs batted in. The The people he's tied up with is 24th, which sounds pretty good, but not huge. But he's tied for most home runs with Encarnacion, Matt, and then a bunch of your guys, Matt Chapman, 
and uh, Rendon, Anthony Rendon from the Nationals, and then Jock Peterson. And Chapman, Peterson, and Rendon were all in the home run derby. Isn't that right? They I think, were. I think. So here you have. Well, no, Rendon wasn't. Oh, right. Chapman and Peterson were. Yes. We mm. just love Rendon. Yep. Okay. So big hitters. Um, and so there you are. So I haven't been paying attention to Marte, but he's doing well and better than I thought, according to, to this new information that you have provided me with. And I know I can always count on you. You can. You made a good Yeah, day. Yeah. So huge caveat here. I spent the weekend in North Carolina drinking beer and not paying as much attention to baseball because there's not a lot of baseball there. So I'm doing catch up, but Patty's got my back as always. Matt Olson, the other Matt from Oakland is having a year. I have mentioned a couple of multi-homer games he's hit not in the not too um, distant past, but he went four for four on Friday. He tied his career high 29 home runs on Saturday. Note, this is the beginning of September. There are a couple weeks to go and he missed 34 games while he was on the IL and he's already you know, at his career best. He is on pace for his career high across the board on all the offensive categories. So I just want to give a little love to Matt Olson of the A's, but not too much love because I need the Cleveland team to get into the wild card. So I'm not sure who I'm going to pick on to like make room for that. But I love you as a human and as a boyfriend, Matt. Yeah, I'm not too keen on the A's read Red Sox fan. <laughs> if you pay attention at all to baseball news, you saw a, pic- a picture of a Nationals relief pitcher in tears. A picture of a pitcher. A picture of a pitcher. You know, you, side side note, I teach immigrant students. And I, <laughs> I told them <laughs> that I was going to bring them a pitcher of water to have during their exams. And they looked at me like I had two heads and they thought I was going to bring them a picture of water. Just to tease them because you're a mean, mean teacher? Because I'm mean, mean, mean. Yeah. But no. here we have a better picture of a picture of a picture. Say that 10 times fast. Go ahead. I dare have, you after that. Have you that been ju- drinking since <laughs> you got back from North Carolina? Apparently, apparently. I'd like to tell you about Aaron Barrett because he is an amazing comeback story. He is kind of a miracle. Aaron Barrett is 31, plays for the Nats, got drafted by the Nats in 2010, He debuted in 2014. He played 90 games between 2014 and 2015, then had Tommy John surgery. While he was rehabbing from Tommy John, he was pitching in a rehab assignment and broke his right elbow in a horrific way. The people that were there said it sounded like a gunshot. Someone said it sounded like somebody was snapping a wooden board in half. And another pitcher there was so upset by it. he actually threw up in the dugout I mean, how, this did, was how did he do it horrific though? he was throwing it was something he, he threw it, it just it was in, during the throwing action the throw yep yep it's still oh a little bit of a mystery God. so this was you know he had tommy john surgery he's recovering from that and then breaks his elbow this is a horrific horrific mess and you know this is your dream this is your dream that you see just going down the drain so aaron barrett starts recovering he spends two more years in rehab, gets back to the minor leagues in 2018. And then this current year, the 2019 season, he spent all of it in AA Harrisburg for the Nats AA Senators. And he had really good numbers all season long. And one of the videos that you might have seen go around was when his coach told him he got called up to the bigs after years and years of Aww. recovery. And his whole team swamps him and cheers for him. And it's very emotional because – I mean, he never thought he would come back. I mean, I think he wanted to believe it, but, you know, I think his head and his heart were telling him different things. 
So he comes back up to the bigs last week. He gets the call up. The Nats are in Atlanta. And two of these games, Barrett is warming up. They say, okay, get get loose in the bullpen. And during each of those warm-ups in two different games, the Nats start scoring. There's a little come-from-behind scoring. He doesn't get into either of those games, but it's just a weird little coincidence. And, you know, we believe in coincidence, right? Sure. So it works. Keep it going. There was a joke that he might never get to play in a game. They might just have (laughs) him do that. if it's working, you know, why not? And then on Saturday, they put him in the game. And he pitched one inning. And his first two pitches were incredibly wild. And so it was like, oh, crap. You know, this is he's got too, too much going on. He can't do this. And then he got it back together. He pitched a scoreless inning, including striking out Ronald Acuna Jr. in three pitches. He left the mound kind of like trying to hold it together and then just burst into tears because he said, Uh in in my head, I just thought, I did it. I wanted to come back. I made it. I made it. I did it. And how can you not be romantic about freaking baseball? It's amazing. And it just kind of shows that there's that mental piece. Mm -hmm. You know, there's the physical rehab, but there's mental rehab. You've got to get your mind straight. And being able to do that is is huge strength. Power to him. His entire family was there. His wife, his parents, possibly grandparents, I think I read, and his physical therapist were all in the stands to see this. Yay. We weren't. Sigh. We'll be back soon. I want to talk about another pitcher from another team who impressed me this past week, which is Michael Lorenzen of the Reds. And... I was really psyched to talk about it. And then I thought, oh, shit, this is like the, that DH argument is going to you're going to be all over this. But hold, please. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get out the facts first and then I'll try to like stammer my way through my DH defense. So so the manager of the Reds, David Bell, coined the phrase Michael and the babe, because on September 5th, he has uh, Lorenzen. This is Michael Lorenzen was the first player to get a win hit a home run, and play in the field since Babe Ruth in 1921. So what it, it was a game versus the Phillies, and he's a relief pitcher. So he pitched in the seventh and the eighth inning, and then he got a home run in the eighth when it was his turn up, and then in the ninth, they put him in center field. So when he was interviewed about it, he said that it was a funny little stat, and it was cool for a lot of other people, but he wasn't really too blown away by it. You know, I I thought it was fun. I think it's worth talking about. Sure. So I first put this in our notes when I saw that little piece of of news, and (laughs) he wants to hit more. And David Bell saying that he's open-minded about this, and I'm thinking, is this sort of like a homegrown Otani thing? Because he's, I mean, he's not a starter, but he's a relief pitcher who's a solid batter. He's batting 333 this year, 7 for 21. So limited plate appearances, but still pretty damn good with one home run, two doubles, five RBIs. And then on the other side... He's pitching 313 ERA with 67 relief appearances. So I'm totally boosting your argument. And then on the 8th, on my daughter's birthday, he pinch hit in the bottom of the ninth. So I guess Bell took him seriously about being open-minded and wanting to bat more. And he got a walk-off double. So he saved the game. And your boyfriend, current, right? Eugenio Suarez, I should be. Right, right? He uh, he says, I call him Super Michael. I love him. I call him Super Michael. I think we should all have nicknames like that because he does a lot. Shit, yeah, he does a lot. 
but I still love my DH. You do, and yet you made my case, and I, I didn't have to <laughs> say, say a word. damn word. I love it here. Thank you, Super Potty Mouth. <laughs> That's the best. I'm going back to romance for a second. A little, a little romantic story about. Well, you know, I, I called it a brother on brother smackdown, but it was it's really sweeter than that. Two brothers in the major leagues, Brian and Colin Moran. Well, Colin Moran has been in the majors. He became the starting third baseman for the Pirates last year. Big brother Brian has been in the minor leagues for a decade. A decade. Oh, that's was, a long haul. I think there was a little break in there where he played for the Atlantic League. He did some independent ball and then worked his way back to the minors. He he pitched this summer for the Marlins Triple A team, who I want to tell you the name because it's the New Orleans Baby Cakes. For real. There's another shirt that I need to add to the collection. I was just Thank thinking you that. very much. I want a baby cake shirt. So Big Brother Brian Moran gets called up from the AAA New Orleans Baby Cakes. And he's going to come into the game against Pittsburgh, where his brother plays. <sighs> the parents are in the stands. And Clint Hurdle, the Pirates manager, says, Ooh, I really felt bad for the dad. <laughs> like, who do you root for, right? So... So uh, Brian Moran pitches one inning, the fourth. He pitched a scoreless fourth, but the excitement was the second batter he faced was little brother Colin, who went all the way to a full count before his big brother whiffed him. And they both say, we got on each other's heads. We know what each other thinks is going to happen. So it's like, I know that he thinks that I think that I'm going to. It was one of those. Like, how many times as kids were they playing in the backyard? Like, they pictured them as, like, little guys they doing actually, the same thing. They cited that, as a matter of fact. And they actually haven't. He hasn't pitched to him since they were kids because they've been in these different worlds. Wow. And he remembers. He's like, I know what he'll swing at. And that's what he threw. He got the win because the um, the the Marlins came back in the next inning. So he pitched one inning and got the win on his debut, not just striking out his little brother. I wonder how the parents felt. Happy all around. I'm going with happy. Happy. I'm going to give a pathetic attempt to say goodbye to Dave Dombrowski. It's been good to know you as a Red Sox fan. The, he got canned yesterday. Was it yesterday? Yesterday morning. Yesterday morning. After the Red Sox lost to the Yankees. No, this morning. If yeah, it was like midnight tonight. Yeah, it was yeah, like, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so today's Monday. You're, you guys don't know People what day it is People come and go anyway, so quickly. So, yeah, don't worry about it. Right, yeah. right. So Dombrowski, after the Red Sox lost to the Yankees for the second night, although they won on Friday night, I just want to put that out there, but they lost last night. <laughs> he got canned. And, you know, the Red Sox have had... A, a real killer hangover this year. I can I can relate to this. They've just had yeah. a mega hangover. And the deal is, it seems like Boston owners just don't deal with hangovers well. And this time... Not like us. Not like us. We do really well with... Hey, I could teach seven classes on hang... No. Um, so... Oh, damn Again, it. why right. body bath remains anonymous. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> I don't teach seven classes. I only teach five. Um... But the the Red Sox have had a, a less than stellar year after winning the World Series last year. And, you know, in, in the past, it's been the manager who has held the line when this has happened. And look back, hey, at 
Francona, who we adore, who's doing really well with the Indians. But, you know, for the Red Sox, it just wasn't good enough to win two World Series. And then they just gave him a few years. And yeah, 2011 was pretty much in the shitter. And they decided to just clean house. But somebody's got to take the line on it. And the same thing happened manager level with John Farrell, who was there saving after Francona from 2012 to 2017. And uh, you know what? I think I should... There's a year in there with Bobby Valentine, who was the one who cleaned house. So I don't know if I got those numbers in the middle. I think he was there 11 to 12. And then... You know, Farrell wins the World Series in 2013 and did really well after that, but he gets canned. So now Alex Cora was a rookie manager last year, right? So his first year, and everybody loves him. And the Red Sox tank this year. So they can't fire Cora. He's a great guy. He pulled off a World Series win as his rookie manager. So who are you going to hold responsible? Well, if you ask my dad, you would say Dave Dombrowski. And dad was really upset, you know, upset about what's going on this year. This is my dad, the lifelong Red Sox fan, and he's 86. So Dave was fired. But to look back on this, first of all, what is Dave Dombrowski? I thought he was the GM. And I looked it up, and he is president of baseball operations. Did you know this? I did. Yeah. So the Red Sox haven't had a GM since 2016, since right after Dombrowski was hired. So this is all stuff that you should probably explain to me because I just <laughs> don't quite get it. I will tell you one thing. I think those titles are very mushy. They are mushy. I think people that have head of baseball operations titles or general manager titles, because he was doing a lot of the things that a traditional GM would do but he just had sort of a different title. So I think they make it up as they go along. But the important is, let's bring it back to Moneyball for a second, is they could uh-huh. have had Billy Bean, huh? but they didn't. You remember Moneyball. They yeah. offered him the job. He said, That's no, right. thank you. I'm going to stay home and never win a World Series. <laughs> and there was Theo Epstein, and then there was Dave Dombrowski. And, and Dave was hired right before they got rid of the last GM. So I'm wondering if there was a little bit of just overlap there. Like they just said, Dave can just do the job. We'll just have him keep, keep going. And he was GM of the Tigers for 10 years before that and a couple of other teams before that. But he didn't do – I mean, he, so he started in August 2015. So we're talking really the 16-year, 17-year, 18-year. 18 was the World Series. He got three consecutive division titles in those in those three years, which is the first time in franchise history. There was last year when they won 108 games in the season, the most in franchise history. They had an MVP with Mookie Betts. They had a Cy Young winner with Rick Porcello. What more do you want, really? Longevity. Yeah. So what I was reading was they didn't believe he could maintain it. He couldn't build the Dodgers or the Astros who have – years uh, they have a farm system Mm -hmm. and they have years of being a quality team he was really good at the we got to win right now but what what i read was that they're looking for we need the longer term thing and that was not his strong suit i don't know any more than that this is reading today okay and that's it but that's that's the thing that was the common theme yeah i haven't read a lot but from just my feeling is that he really fucked up the pitching because he didn't go for kimbrell he let Joe Kelly go to the Dodgers, and what else did he bring in? And he really didn't give Cora much to work with. And Cora is really good at spinning at, you know, we're all in this together, and and we've got a system here. But there's no real closer. There's been sort of closer back and forth over the year. But there wasn't, yeah, there wasn't a lot to work with. And then we got shit, you know, luck with uh, with Sale getting hurt and Price sucking and all that stuff. 
So in the meantime, so this is the part that I really wanted to talk about after I've been probably babbling for five or so minutes, is that now what do you do? There are three assistant general managers, Brian O'Halloran, Eddie Romero, and Zach Scott, who are sort of coming together to fill this in for the rest of this season, which apparently won't be that long for the Red Sox, plus Raquel Ferreira. And depending on which article you read is how much in the the squad she is, which I find super interesting because she's a she, and she's a senior vice president. And she is, according to her own resume, the third woman in MLB history to be a senior vice president within baseball operations. Um, She's been with the Red Sox for 21 years in a shitload of different positions. I thought it was super interesting that she's head of player immigration program. And I believe, and I should have looked this up before actually opening my mouth, I believe that she's Brazilian in descent, but has been in Massachusetts long enough. I've I've got to look this up and put it in some sort of post about her own background. But in the back of my little optimistic Red Sox mind, mind you, I grew up mostly before 2004. If you listen to Hell's Bells, you'll hear the whole story um, where you're just hoping for hope. I'm wondering... If she could slip into a GM job. This like, would be a good time to try that out. Socks. Wouldn't that be a good time to try this out? It would be great. She is universally loved by players, for mm-hmm. sure. And she's been doing this, like as you said, for a damn long time. Could be time. That would be freaking awesome. I'm hoping. Back when Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico, we talked a lot about baseball's response same thing with Houston when Houston was was um, was attacked by storms. Yeah. And baseball players said, hey, this is my home. We need to fix it. What can we do? Now this has happened to the Bahamas. The Bahamas are not known historically as a hotbed of baseball activity. There have only been six players ever from the Bahamas that made the major leagues. The last one was in 2014. I'm surprised there are six. But, but you will like this quote. The Bahamas have been referred to as the new Curacao. I can scope out boyfriends You there. can scope out boyfriends. There are approximately 20. Is it Bahamans? Bahama, I can't, I don't, the people from oh, Bahama, players from know. the Bahamas yeah. is what I'm going to say because Let's I don't know how to that. make those syllables work. About 20 of them currently in the minor leagues. Things are happening in the Bahamas as far as baseball. Now things are happening in the Bahamas for hurricane disaster relief, because you've seen the pictures, you've seen the news reports. It's horrific. These guys, these 20 or so guys were here in the United States, separated from their families when the hurricane hit. There's a Blue Jays prospect. His name is um, Chavez Young. He was playing um, high class A Florida minors in the Florida State League. When the hurricane was approaching Florida, uh, minor league baseball said we're going to cancel the end of the season. Really? There were only two games left for the um, the Florida State League and um, the Gulf Coast League, huh. and they were going to cancel those and the playoffs. It looked like none of the teams like there weren't tight races. Okay, so that wasn't going to happen, and they wanted everybody to be safe. So they said, "Forget it. We're not going to try to plan around this. We're just going to call it done." Well, that is where Chavez Young was playing. He was playing in Florida, and he sees this hurricane then moving towards his home in the Bahamas. He lives with Bo Bichette's family in Florida, right? Okay, so still in the uh, 
is with with the That's with wild. the Blue Jays. Isn't that cool? So I believe he may still be there. I don't know if he's tried to go back yet, but that's where he was riding out the storm. I mean, he was there during the season. And also, you know, he had a safe place to be while the storm was going towards his homeland. Since the hurricane hit, he started a crowd rise campaign, which um, has raised $10,000 so far. We must post that link. We will We will do that. And so he's trying to get money to, I think, Salvation Army, World Relief. But he's not the only one doing that. Now, again, there's there aren't any players from the Bahamas in the majors, so there's not there's no real major league um, rallying about doing um, doing disaster relief right now. So the, it's in the minors, but also it's at a much more local level. In Richmond, Virginia, the Metropolitan Junior Baseball League, these are teenagers, like 15, 16, 17-year-old kids, went to a tournament in Nassau in January. They played a tournament in the Bahamas in January. Just randomly. Well, yeah, I don't know if they've done that uh, much before, but then also a team from the Bahamas then came to Richmond. So it's like an exchange program, Mm -hmm. came there to play a tournament. So there have been friendships built around that. And the team being a bunch of good kids who – understand what it's like to make friends in other places and build connections in different cultures and all of that feel connected to the Bahamas. So they have started collecting relief supplies at the ball field, things like flashlights and batteries and first aid kits and those kinds of things that are all going to be sent to the Bahamas. And one of the kids, 17-year-old Davian Anderson was quoted in the paper as saying, if you come in my life in baseball, then you're in my life. Oh, that that should be an additional motto that we have. Yeah, can so we again, add that to our list. How can you not be romantic about baseball? That's Look at these fantastic. teenage these teenage kids are they, they they get it. They get what's important, and they're doing what they can do. And I love the international exchange. More of that. More, more of that, that, please. More of that. More. I need more wake up calls on Saturday. Yeah, you know, I had an alarm set and it went off once, and I forgot to put it on recur. So that's why you only got one notice from the commissioner about setting your your uh, rosters for the week. So sorry. So what we're talking about here is our fantasy baseball boyfriend league in case case I haven't defined our boyfriends yet in this episode. And I don't really remember because I'm at the bottom of my beer right now. Those are the guys that we each choose one per team per person in the off season because they're cool. Something special beyond the field. And then we make a whole team of them and we compete against other people in this league And I suck because I sleep through Saturday, which is when you're supposed to do your roster changes. Maybe in this case, I was in a brewery in Asheville. No matter what time of day it was on Saturday, you were in a brewery in or near Asheville. Pretty much all day and all evening. Yeah. So, but you know what? You know who else was in those breweries? Let me guess. Was the guy from upstairs? It was the guy from upstairs. I'm supposed to amend that now with something sweet, like the cute guy from upstairs. The guy you travel with? The guy I travel to breweries with. He (laughs) must have been like sneaking under the table and doing his lineup changes because the leftovers, a.k.a. Mr. Potty Mouth, is still number one in our fantasy baseball boyfriend league. But he definitely wasn't paying that great attention because El Wombo is hot on his tail, and you are also really close to Wombo. I think that the top has tightened, and I just wanted to say I'm a little more than half of you. Yeah, that's how the math works. 
I want to say something really sweet about you. You complete me. How about that? <laughs> okay. That's what there I'm going go. for there. You Woo. complete me, potty mouth. Although I got to say, um, Deborah's now hot on my heels. Is she? There's a little competition sneaking back Coming up. Coming out so. from the West yeah. Coast. Yeah. Speaking of competition, I care deeply about the twins. Not just because I see them now, but because it's a Cleveland thing and it's a Nationals thing. Can I tell you what, what the deal is here? Mm-hmm. Nationals are... In Minnesota for three games against the Twins. Twins are in number one place, right? So they are holding down my Cleveland team. But also, the Nats need to make up some ground. They need more things in the win column. So if the Nats can take down the Twins, two of my three teams benefit. Because the Cleveland team has a better shot at climbing back into into wild card contention and possibly, you know, looking again at the at the division, right? Um, and Washington can get a better, a more secure hold on the wild card. So, twins, I see you, and I'd like to see you go down hard the next couple of days. And I say that with all the love in the world because the weekend ends with three games with Atlanta in town with the Nats, with the Nats, which are going to be super fun and pretty scary. I will wholeheartedly support you in this endeavor. Thank you, thank you. You're awesome. I'm, I'm glad you're back. I did miss you while you were gone. If you don't have a week's worth of really tense games to either watch or attend this week, we hope we spend some of your time listening to past episodes of our show, telling your friends about it if you think they might like to listen to No Crying in Baseball, finding us on social media. Come on, Potty Mouth, tell me social media. We All can right. Do it. On Twitter, we are NCIB Podcast. And on Facebook and Instagram, you can find us at No Crying in B-Ball. Excellent. And if you do listen and you like what you hear, if you have a chance to leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to the podcast, we would certainly appreciate it. Until next week, when it's our 100th show, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. <laughs>